This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host in crime tonight, Nick Kearns, for another episode of the show. It's been an interesting weekend. The Angels start off real rough in Boston, lose the first two, including a 16-4 hammering on Friday night, and then things turned for the better on Saturday and Sunday. Here to talk about with us first is Nick Kearns again. Nick, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How about you? It's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. It's a podcasting night for me, as always, on Sunday nights. And it's a chance to uh, vent about the sports weekend that was. And also, the Angels didn't lose a series. I know. We actually split uh, one of the last two games. We're on a winning streak. And we were on a pretty bad losing streak before this. So it's, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah, a winning streak in Boston, a place the Angels have traditionally struggled. Well, they traditionally struggled period against the Red Sox, no matter where they are. So take the last two. It's a nice step. And also this tonight, we want to welcome Milad Pessian, an Angels fan who volunteered, or his brother <laughs> volunteered him for him. <laughs> Yeah, you could say I, I was volunteered. <laughs> you were volunteered um, to give us a different perspective on the state of the franchise. As you guys know here, at least on our show for the most part, we've been Fairly supportive of general manager Billy Upler in terms of what we believe is a building from the bottom-up process, which to me takes time. But there is some criticism out there, and we want to give some voice that we're going to do that this week, both on tonight's show and on Wednesday night show. Give a couple of fans the opportunity to come on and talk with us about it and just have a baseball conversation that will just help us dig deep in the team. And So before we do... We do wanted to say, hey, you guys, we just got this podcast started about three and a half months ago, but we are growing fast. And if you like what we're doing, please go on over to Apple Music and subscribe. We would really appreciate a five-star review to help us move the charts. And if you want to earn it, great. That's fine. Email us at talkinghillsgmail.com. Give us your feedback. We love 
getting feedback. I kid you not. Even if it's negative feedback, because what that means is we're doing something wrong. Let's try and fix it. That's, that's the goal. We want to be among the best in angels, content providers out there. And if there's something we're not doing right, you need to know about it. So if you don't want to give us that five-star review, that's great. Tell us how we can earn it. But there is a contest we got going on. And if you listen to our show and you are willing to go over to Apple Music and leave us that wonderful five-star review, you can actually enter to win two tickets to the Angels game on the September 13th, on September 13th against the Rays. And that is the night that Mike Trout's next bobblehead will go out. So this is how you do it. Go to Apple Music, leave a review, take a screenshot, and then just direct message that screenshot to us or email it to us at talkinghills.gmail.com or you can get me on Facebook. As long as you see it somewhere, and we'll enter you in. The contest is going to end. What day do you think, Nick? What day do you think? When should we end this thing? Next. Uh, let's go next Sunday. Next Sunday? There you go. Yeah. Next Sunday, August 18th. So you have one more week to enter. August? No, August 18th. August 18th. All right. So there it is. There's the contest. We really appreciate your support there. So the Boston series, that one, first two nights, pretty ugly. I can't get too upset with the Angels for a 3 nothing loss because Chris Sale was on fire. I he would have knocked he would have knocked A and team out of the park that night. He was just that 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 is vintage Chris Sale, that left hander who can just move a pitch like fielders in this league can when he's on. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but it's just one of those games where oh, Chris you're not Sale, getting them. Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in the game, in my opinion. Like he's having it down here this year, but you know, that game against the Angels, he proved why Boston gave him that five-year contract because he still has some of that in him. So, yeah, I I was, I was didn't I didn't blame him at all for losing 3-0 in that game. Nick? I mean, for me, like, Chris Hill is, is, a, is an ace, even though his record may not show up this year. Um, he came through. He earned his money. Uh, and I think next year he's going to probably be comeback player of the year and go fight for the uh, Cy Young. So, uh, you know, it, it just depends on how you look at sports. Every great player has had an off year. Every. Except, Even, for, except, for, except for Mike Trout. I mean, I can see Trout hitting 50 home runs. He's going to be around that 300 mark. You know he's going to get 100 walks, 100 runs, 100 RBIs. I, I wish he had more stolen bases. I mean, I think that's a shame that they don't really run enough, but uh, I digress on that. Well, they're, they're probably trying to protect him, too. He's getting older. You don't want any kind of leg injury, and all of a sudden we're talking about Albert Pujols Part 2. You know? Yeah, you have a point. You have a point there. I, I just don't. I think at that point you want to say, listen, that's not really part of our game right now anyways. He, he still will run once in a while. I he's think he well. can still a lot more. I, I think he's still a lot more. I think he can I think he'd easily be a 30-30 guy if he... He could, but... Look, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with that, but I understand why they're not, they're not sending him out there like pretty sure that some injury he had sliding into the second base was the first kind of major injury he had as an angel and i think they're just proceeding cautiously from there you know that's that's I, how i, mean, I, I agree with that I, I agree with you guys and plus you know with Shohei otani batting behind him like does he really need to steal most of the time because you know Shohei can you know hit it out of the park any given moment when he's on fire well, you don't have a need to, right? You're right. And actually, this year, they've had a lot of power behind him. Not a lot of average in terms of guys who were getting on base a lot and hitting you know, above 300, but they had guys who could knock the ball apart real quick, so why run them? Why risk it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the second game, you look, I'm going to be honest, guys. 
that was brutal. I want to forget Ooh, yeah. it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. That was a case of a tired bullpen in a very good lineup. And perfect storm, 16-4 loss. It's been a lot of that this year when it comes down to pitching, just not doing the job. But, yeah. you know what? Yesterday's game, 12-4 Angels win, that is more of in terms of just breaking out of the slump, this hitting slump, just getting out of there, taking a lead, not letting Boston breathe. That is the kind of Angels team we've been hoping we'd see all year. Let me start with Nick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I watched yesterday's game, and uh, they, they jumped on them. I mean, Troy had a great game. I mean, everyone was hitting. There was no weakness in that lineup. And even the pitching was pretty good. I, I, did, I did not agree with the way they pulled Andrew Heaney in the fourth inning. You know, I, I, I know this has been brought up on this podcast and many others that uh, Osmus has a, a short leash on these pitchers. To me, at this point, you know, you're not going to probably make the playoffs barring a miracle. You might as well let these guys go out there and pitch five, six innings. And uh, whatever happens, happens. You know, we're not we're not going to make the playoffs, and probably not be not going to make five hundred either. So, I would just let guys learn. But that's just me. Uh, I disagree, Nick. I agree with Nick. I, <laughs> I actually agree with Nick. Uh, let, let the guy, we got to get some pitchers getting six innings in there, man. We got to get some quality starts. But I, I think quality starts lead the wins. Yeah, you won't. In terms of generalities, right. We're talking about a guy who just yeah, came off his arm injury. It's just his first start back, and he's shaky in that fourth inning, and he's already getting close to that pitch mark. He's at 80-plus pitches. That was his limit for the day. Why would you keep him in there yeah, on his true. first start back? He was at the – yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. I forgot about Jeff Lester mentioning they're going to have a pitch limit for him that, that game. I'll, I'll take that back. I mean, now next start out, I'd like to see him push a little more. I'd like to see him risk a little more. We've been kind of getting into that. At some point, you kind of have to decide where these guys are mentally and whether or not you're going to push them to that limit. Because, if, you, if A, if you can't get these pitchers to stretch and fight back in these situations, then are they really meant to be major league pitchers? Exactly. But Can we get five innings out of any pitcher? I mean, I, I just want to see a pitcher <laughs> go five innings. That's all I want. Well, yeah, I think you nah, can. I yeah. think you should. Uh, yeah. But, I agree with Nick. I, I'm with Nick there. Uh, that, this was a bad year for that, but you know, we, I guess now at this point we got to work with what we have. Well, the way I flip it around, though, is this. When it comes to the young guy, do you want these guys to go out there at age 20 and 21? I'm talking Suarez and Canning, guys who are really just getting their way to the major leagues, who really aren't there mentally. They're basically being co- been called up four months to a year early and saying, hey, let's just go ahead and throw you the wolves. I'm not sure that's the best way to go. And it also depends, too, on their mental makeup. Where are they mentally? And we're not there to evaluate that. So I'm fine right now with them limiting these guys and getting them out of there once they get that third time through their lineup. Veterans to me, guys who have been there and done that, you got to let them go. you got to let them push it. I mean, I agree. I, I, I see your point. I see your point. Milan? Yeah, I see your point. So, I mean, so when would you like to see him to start put, pushing these young guys more? Like, are, you t- are we talking end of this season or at the start of next year? I think you have to see how they react in the pressure situations they're in now. And at some point, you just unleash them. It's kind of hard for me to say definitely September 1st or okay. end of season because okay. – 
we're not in there evaluating them. We don't know their attitude. We don't know what kind of film yeah, yeah, work yeah, they're doing. And it's kind of hard to say. At some point, you've got to unleash them. At some point, you have to say go. Yeah. But honestly, too, per, you know, I have some very real questions. And I guess this will probably go into, lead right into the conversation now about what your concerns are. If I have a concern about the Angels right now, it's their pitching development to a degree because we're seeing some of these guys move through the system pretty fast, but then once they get to the major leagues, they're having problems. And that's been the last couple of yeah. years and, and this year. And I have, So I have questions about Doug White and the job he's doing. And this is not, a, this is not me attacking Doug White. It's an honest question. I would like to know about the job he's doing. The numbers this year have not been good. Is it just one of those really rough years where nothing worked? Is it a case where Doug is not doing a good job? Or is there something else going on? That's what I really want to know. That's the question that I have about the Angels and their pitching. And unfortunately, I'm not the fly on the wall in the clubhouse and getting to listen to what these guys are saying. So I guess it's kind of fair a lot for me to, to lead off that way because I know you guys tend to feel like you and your brother – kind of tend to feel like I'm very much the Billy Epler apologist. And and then when you and I talked a little bit, I think we found more in common than that. But yeah, I have concerns. I mean, your concerns are my concerns. Um, you know, I, you know I, keep in, I, keep, I, I try to keep up to date with the latest, with, uh, with the latest uh, Angels pitching prospects. And, you know, after these, uh, after Cannon, Sandoval, and Suarez, the Angels don't really have any uh, MLB-ready arms in the farm, but not until 2021 at the earliest. So these are the young guys we got, and so it, so we got to really hope these guys are it. Because other than that, if the Angels don't get Garrett Cole in the offseason, they're not going to have an ace outside of Otani for the next three to four years, I think. Three to four years? Why three to four years? I mean, I mean we don't know. I mean, so like, I mean, yeah, exactly. We don't know, but... I, I, I just took a quick glance at the free uh, at the free agents available the next few years, and I think Garrett Cole's the top one next year, and then the year after that, there's no one really at his. Uh, at, I mean, I, I mean, the years after that, there's really no one up to his caliber. So if the Angels strike out on Garrett Cole, which I see a lot of people on Twitter just saying, you know, they oh that's all the Angels need; they need Garrett Cole, and things will be fine. You know they don't get them. It's uh, I, I'm a little afraid of the future of the franchise. Nick, your thoughts? Well, I, I think they're going to get Garrett Cole. I, I think they have to. I, I'm pretty sure when they signed Trout and they talked to Trout, they they laid out a plan, not just the minor league system, but also they're going to make moves to better this team as far as as soon as possible. And I was looking at the the prospect list. You know, you're right. Like after Sandoval and Suarez, the next guy is Jose Soriano. Aaron, uh, and Aaron Hernandez, that's a bad name to have, especially if you're talking football. <laughs> and they're both not expected back until, or next, not back, not expected to hit the, the major league scene until 2021. I think they're going to get, they're going to go after Garrett Cole. I see them making a trade because I look at like a Tommy LaStella. Maybe you guys agree or disagree. I don't see any place for him. I, I think they got Rafino. Um, they got a couple other guys in that middle infield. Renifo, that, right? Rahifo, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rahifo. Um, they have guys who play second base, shortstop, third base. So I could see them trying to trade him. He's an all-star. Maybe you get a number two or number three. 
I'm hoping they go after uh, James Archer from Pittsburgh. He's got Chris a year Archer, left right? his contract. Or Chris Archer from from uh, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Chris Archer. Yeah, yeah, Chris Archer. Sorry about that. Um, I no hope problem. they go after him. And you know, there's there's a couple stars right there. You have to hope that Heaney finally figures it out. I believe Canny's going to be around for the long haul. And you just got to hope Suarez, Sandoval, or Berea, one of those three, can uh, make the starting five, maybe starting six. You throw in uh, Otani. And you got a six-man rotation right there that I feel pretty confident about. Um, and then and then part of me was uh, – I, I am having issues with the development of the pitching. One of the things I, I kind of have an issue with is – and I, I don't know maybe I, you guys are going to disagree – I actually think the Angels should lose more games than they win the rest of the way and try to get themselves a better draft pick. We're not going to make the playoffs. I don't see the point of fighting for 500. Why not just lose more games than you're going to win and get a better draft pick so you can get hopefully a better pitcher, a better catcher, or a better uh, third baseman. Those seem to be the three positions I'm looking at that there's a lot of issues going on, and I don't see a lot of guys – who are per se going to re- relieve those guys? I mean, Matt Thais is a good third baseman, possibly, but is he like the guy? I- and I know they mentioned uh, mm. in free agency. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And I know they mentioned a free agency next year, possibly going after Rendon. I don't know enough about Rendon to really speak on him. I hear he's pretty good, but I don't want to. I-, I I don't know him well enough to you know feel that kind of confident. I just look at that and think I, I disagree. I can't. I can't imagine. We, we are arguing for tanking, man. We. It, it's what you're arguing for. You say, you know what? Just tank it. And that kind of thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I disagree as well. When I, you have Mike Trout on your team, you you can't you can't tank. You can't try to lose on purpose when you have Mike Nelson Trout on your baseball team. If you lose, you lose. If you, yeah. I, I just look at it this way. Okay. If we're the NBA. And you're looking to build for the future. It's fair. Tank. <laughs> Tank. The Lakers pulled LeBron James out late last year. You're just sitting. You're done. Tank. Fine. Okay. But it's different in baseball. You're measured. Really, if you go look at the Baseball America top prospects, they're not measuring just the top 100 at the draft. They're measuring the top 500. You can hit you can hit on guys in the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth round, and they become stars almost as easily as a guy in the fifth round, and then from the fifth round almost as easily as the first round. It's not the same. It's not the same kind of mentality when you're drafting. It, there's a little bit of difference in, in money that's a lot for draft picks. That's 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 fair, but there's a reason why Billy Epler felt like it was okay to try to compete while reloading the farm system, which to me, it slowed down the rebuild because you, you're you right about one thing. You're never going to get that top prospect that's number one. Like the Orioles, You'll never get that guy, but you can still get a star. Mike Trout, what, what, what was Mike Trout? Was he like 25th in the first round? Remind me? 25th, yes. 25th? 25th? You got Mike Trout yeah, 25th I mean. in the first round. It's just hard to get those guys. It's hard to get them. That's all it is. But there's not that big of a talent gap between 1 and 30 in baseball like there is in, in football or even the NBA. Nick? I mean, I agree. And, and that's what I mean. I don't mean by tank, but that's what I mean by, like, let these pitchers go out there and just pitch. And let them learn. This is the time to learn. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not the end of the world. You know, if they, they go out and they give up a lot of runs, 
hey, they're learning. This is a learning year. We're not going to make the playoffs. I'd rather you learn now because come next year, that's when it matters. I would say one thing, though, when you're saying let them pitch, you kind of have to be careful with all that, though. Pitchers are different animals in terms of their mentality. You can mess up a pitcher mentally really quick. We've seen that from guys ranging to Rick Ankiel to some of the other players that have passed through. They can lose it just as quickly as any young player in the game can. So I would be very careful with saying, hey, just go throw the ball, go pitch. And especially if my concerns about Doug White are true. What if Doug White isn't doing a good job? Would you want him to go out there and work these guys some more? Milad, what do you think? You know, with uh, Doug White and the coaching staff right now, I would love to place some blame on them. But I think with the passing of Tyler Skaggs that the team had to go uh, go through this season, you just can't you can't fairly evaluate the coaching job this year because we really don't know how much that has affected them. Because from all intents and purposes, it seems like Tyler Skaggs was the best friend of, you know, he was Andrew Heaney's best friend and and seems like he was very close with every single member on the team. So it's that that's one of the most unfortunate parts of this year, I think, is that we can't really fairly evaluate the coaching job. Well, I think with pitching you can to a large degree because the pitching's been awful all year. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to blame the pitching, but, you know, I, I want to blame the pitching coaches a lot, but... You know, we got we got to see how they do next year when they put all when they put all the tragic events they they went through this year behind them. But you know, I also like to place some blame on the guy who gave them the pitchers, Billy Upler. You know, I know he I know he tried to go for Patrick Corbin and some of the other better free agents, but you know, when he didn't get them, he had a he had some reason to pick Matt Harvey and uh, Trevor Kalil. And, you know, no one suspected Hill to be what he was this year. Yeah. But with Matt Harvey, you know, when the Matt Harvey, uh, you know, I'll admit it. When he signed Matt Harvey, you can find you can find me on Twitter saying I'm all in on Matt Harvey because, you know, the, there, was, there was a high risk with the signing. But, you know, the prospect of Matt Har- of that, you know, that risk paying off and Matt Harvey being like the leader of the Angels rotation was really fun. But, you know, it didn't work out. And we learned that very quickly in the season. And then. Yeah, you, know, you have to ask the question, what did Billy Epler saw in Matt Harvey? Well, we can go back to earlier part of the season and look at Matt Harvey, and I can tell you what I saw. I saw a guy who still had stuff. His pitches were still yeah, lively. His first, start, his first start was hopeful. I remember that. I remember yeah. being like, oh, yeah, here we go. But then, yeah. Uh, but I remember going, okay, his stuff's lively. What I did see that was a major concern for me is he had – like zero control. His control was so off that even though his pitches still moved well, he lost some velocity. But they still had good movement. He still had some good spin to his pitches. But it doesn't matter if you can't if you lose all your control. If you can't locate a pitch, in other words, at this point you're just throwing. You're not pitching. You're throwing. If you can't locate a pitch, you're going to struggle no matter who you are. Nick. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I mean, with Matt Harvey, I think most people would have said that. You're hoping you got some resemblance of what he did with the Mets. You're hoping with Cahill, you know, he did something similar to what he did with the uh, with the uh, A's. And then Cody Allen, same thing. You're hoping you got those guys to kind of get back to who they used to be. Unfortunately for all three, they were really just bust. They, I think we kind of got them at the downturn of their career. Um, we did try to go after some guys, you know, Patrick Corbin. It just didn't work out, unfortunately. And we're we're stuck with what we're stuck with now. 
Cody Allen was DFA'd a long time ago. Uh, the Dark Knight was DFA'd not too long ago. Uh, I'm surprised Kale's still here, but I guess he is. I guess he'll be here for the, the remainder of the year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out. And, obviously, the loss of Tyler Skaggs was obviously not just big personally, but it was big for the organization. I don't think they knew – they weren't ready for that, obviously, and no one could ever be ready for that. And they didn't really go make a move in the uh, trade deadline to go get a, a starter of any kind. And we are where we're at now. Well, it's interesting you say that because I know that's a discussion that we've had a lot about the Angels since the trade deadlines. Why didn't they go after him? And in the Pirates preview, which will be the later part of the show, and talking with um, with Anthony from the North Shore 9, he talked about the Pirates doing – pretty much the same thing we wanted the Angels to do this season. And the conclusion that he reached was, with the prospects they gave away, it was a cleaning out of their farm system-wise. And now they enter this year without the depth they had before, and now Archer, that's who they went and got, has been struggling all year. And I believe we'll see Archer, from what he said, we'll see Archer on Wednesday. So that goes more in-depth in the interview if the Angels didn't feel like they had the depth to make this deal at the break, I, I have to say they were probably right not to make it. And instead, you're gonna what you're going to do is you're going to bank on paying cash in the offseason. And now that's what we have to bank on. If we're, a te- if we're guys who are following the Angels in the offseason, you have to think they are going to be willing to pay some hard cash to get a guy like Cole or somebody else because they weren't willing to trade the prospects for it. I mean, a lot of my on the right path yeah, here. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on that. When I saw they didn't really trade for any on the deadline, I thought that was pretty much waving the white flag for making the playoffs this year, and also a message that they're going to be going for some free, you know, for some pitchers in in the winter. Either be Garrett Cole, Madison Bumgarner, or who knows, maybe even Steven Strasburg if he opts out. That'll be a that'll, that'll be interesting if he does, and. You know, I, I actually would like to see him go for two pitchers rather than just one big fish. But you know, if it, 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 it if they it, if it's Garrett Cole or no one, I'll take Garrett Cole. I'm pretty sure they're going to go for two. But you know, you so, mentioned yeah. earlier they made they made all those moves. They they tried to make all those moves, and that's something I've seen folks get on Epler for. Well, you didn't send the big dogs. You so you you just went bargain bending, and I'm sitting thinking, well, if you're going after the big dogs. What's left after you miss out on them, Michael? I don't blame him for taking a shot yeah. at Harvey, especially on Cahill. But you have to start asking the question at some point: Can he close on these deals? He closed on Shohei. He was yeah, able. He, he was able to convince Simmons to stay to to sign an extension. He was able to. People forget about that. He's the one that signed Simmons the extension. He was yeah. able to re up Upton. Okay, all right, so. But he did strike out on those pitchers. Now, we don't know why. We don't know if it was a money thing, if he, they just lost, if there was location issues. And this is why I tend to defend him a little bit, because we don't really know all the details as to why he didn't close. Why didn't he close? Did he just fail? What were the other factors? That's why I'm reserving judgment on him. So... I know we're running out of time, and we're, we could be here forever, really. I mean, we'll have to have you come back because I don't think we even scraped the surface of what you, well, what you want to talk about. If there's one thing tonight you want to address, 
before we move to the Pirates preview, what is something you really want to delve into? Um, one thing I really want to address, I believe, you know, 2020 should be a big year for Billy Epler. If 2020 is a repeat of this year, I think Billy Epler should be, should be getting hot. And, you know, when people try to say that on Twitter, you know, some, some people disagree, or, and a lot more people go with name-calling and calling people delusional with that. But if, you know, if we're in the if the Angels are in the same position as they are right now next year, Billy Epler should, should be getting hot. And I know he did a lot good. I know he locked it. I know Trout's an angel for life. I know he got Shelly Otani. I know he's he's made the farm system respectable from what Ken Rosenthal called the worst one he's ever seen. But, you know, when you have Mike Trout on your baseball team, the guy they're calling the best one ever, and he is the best baseball player I've seen in my lifetime. I'm only 26 years old, so I'm not that old. I'm not that, you know, I'm pretty young, but I think he's definitely, I think he's definitely the best player ever. And you know, we gotta get we gotta get better results than what we're getting. Well, you do. I, I don't think that I've seen the argument that 2020, like this time next year, the main problem I've had is people calling for his head now. That's the problem I oh, have. Yeah, yeah. Because so I think his head now that's 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 that's, ha- that's harsh. Uh, that's harsh and bit pre two and pre two preemptive. Because, yeah, give him next year. Because uh, I remember coming into this year, some people were saying, like, hey, maybe you should temper your expectation for the Angels. And turns out they were right. So I got I got to see how 2020 pans out for Billy. I look at it like they hired him on a five-year plan. You need to give him the five years. Yeah. It, because when people I've seen are mad about the farm systems at 22, at 22 ranked and. The reason why the 22 ranked is because they graduate a bunch of guys this year. The weaknesses in the farm system, you mentioned it, ace-level starting pitching, although we need to keep it on Chris Rodriguez down there. And we, that's a guy we didn't mention, it's Chris Rodriguez, because of his back injury. We, didn't, we, didn't, we forgot about him. Yeah, if he gets yeah, healthy, that he, changes things. He, he has a good stuff, but back injuries are serious, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got to watch. Yeah. If, if he recovers fully, you know that all of a sudden things change. And then you look at... Where the rest of the farm system is, they actually have this young core of, of at least tradable movement parts. Like if you say, yeah, um, uh, with Taylor Ward, Matt Tice, we don't know if these guys are going to be great major leaders or not. But they're getting at bats, they're seeing major league pitching, they're young, and that's a young core that's top heavy. So you, if it's top heavy like that, and then you go out and you get your pitching via free agency while the rest of your farm system is now developing up again, you're fine. I don't think the twenty two rank is for people who set the 22 rank i think it's unfair because you just graduate like five players this, this summer i mean you just graduate five players of course it's going to drop what i want to see is what happens come spring when they look at this 2019 class with wilson and all those guys and see how they've been evaluated because wilson's playing well down there paris is yeah, fully yeah. hearing is, is developing well down there so let's see how it works out that's my concern nick do you have any extra, extra thoughts before we move on to the pirates no you guys hit on the nail on the head with a lot of your uh comments and concerns hopefully you know the next draft we can get some more prospects up in there um i do like some of our draft picks this past year in the couple last couple drafts uh we're gonna take a hit with the number we're number 22 we're gonna take a hit because adele's coming and he's coming soon so that 22 is probably gonna get dropped down to probably 27 28 um i'm looking at some of these prospects i like someone like i mean jordan as will wilson uh, obviously, you know, 
the Jamari Jones, Jamari Jackson, uh, Jamari Jones. Yeah, Jamari Jackson. Jackson. I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Rodriguez is our top pitching prospect. You know, everyone else, like he said, graduating. Um, and like I said, it's it's all hinges on going after Garrett Cole. And I do think they're going to get Garrett Cole. I don't think they have much of a choice on this. If they don't, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the end for Epler. Wow. You got to go out there and compete against the Yankees for him. That's why I'm not going to. You're you're bold, man. You're making the prediction, but you're going to go against teams like the Yankees and so on and so forth. It's going to come down to yes, money, but other factors like will he want to come back or not? Will he want to go to a team like the Yankees? Will he want to stay in Houston? I think Houston's getting tough now to stay there because you already have two top flight pitchers you're paying. I just don't know what his priorities are for this region period, and nobody does. Nobody's really hearing much of anything. I just don't know. So it's kind of hard to make that prediction overall. And t- in terms of farm system at 22, don't forget, and I, I mean, I was, I was shouted down when I mentioned this on Twitter, three of the, of the 2019 draft picks have already moved in to the Angels' top 15 prospects. <laughs> yep, they have. Yeah, so that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't think... I think they hit gold on Wilson. I don't know that he'll be a star, but he's got a bat. I think the pile went moved to second base. I think they they got their guy in him. Give him a couple of years. Paris is going to be a long term project. I, yeah, I just look at that. Years. Well, he's 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 seventeen, man. <laughs> he's going to be some time. So I just look yeah. at it and go, let's just see how this falls. Even if Adele makes the team out of spring training, it's going to be okay because. This year, they graduated so many guys who are not part of your own courts. People don't realize that with, with Epler, they're like, well, you haven't seen results from Epler. You haven't seen results from Epler. Well, of course you haven't seen results from Epler because he was rebuilding underneath. We had to have a winning season yet. Well, you're not going to because you didn't have the resources to do anything. That's uh, that drives me nuts. When someone, I think, I forget who it was. I think it might be the guys coming on Wednesday. If, uh, he made the argument, well, the Angels haven't had a winning season in four years. Well, dude. You've had a locked-up payroll because you had a couple bad contracts, and you don't have any prospects to trade for anybody to fix your team. So what do you think is going to happen? It's about building underneath. To me, the question, now the rubber hits the road. You get in the 2020, and you've been building underneath now, and those kids that were your first guys are now at AAA and now making their appearance in, in the major leagues. Now we're going to see how good Billy Upper was at his job. We're gonna, next year, we're going to start really seeing that. These guys are getting their bats now. They're getting their pitching time in. Next year's the year for me when they will know how good a job Billy Upper did or how good a job he didn't do. And that's, again, I, why I reserve judgment because we have not given – these kids are all up this year four months to a year early, every single one of them. And to be honest with you, some of them, I think you've mentioned before, should have been sent back to AAA just for some uh, – extra practice, extra uh, extra um, learning. Yeah, I would have and, liked uh, to have seen that, but it wasn't happening. They got, they well, it's, not, happen. it's not going to yeah, happen. They had, no, they had no choice. All right, guys, so we'll have to have Milad back because we, I think there's plenty more to talk about. But we've been on the air now for more than a half hour, so we got to get over there to our guy. We actually had a really, really good baseball conversation with – the gentleman from the Pirates. Before we get there, though, we do want to say, hey, we're looking for sponsors. So if you were interested in sponsoring us to end the season out or looking for the future, check us out. Email us at talkinghills.gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, you want to help us keep the lights on. 
You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Our numbers have gone up dramatically. I am very pleasantly surprised at how well we've done. And it's thanks to our great listeners who deserve all the credit for trusting us with the Rangels content. Thanks a lot, folks. And hopefully that results in some good sponsors for us. In the meantime, it is time to go out to Anthony Donardo from the North Shore 9 Pittsburgh Pirates podcast to give us the lowdown on the 2019 Pirates. Here we go. All right, folks, I am here with Anthony DiNardo from North Shore 9, a podcast covering the Pittsburgh Pirates. One of a few, actually, out there. I was a little surprised for a smaller market how many podcasts you guys have out there. A lot of good coverage for the Pirates. How you doing there, Anthony? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. I appreciate you inviting uh, inviting us on. Ryan, my uh, co-partner, couldn't make it today, but, yeah, definitely excited to be here. A little joke, like you said, when we first started the North Shore 9, actually it was a blog first. And uh, like our running joke was like, just what the pirates need another another local blog. So yeah, there's definitely uh, plenty of them out there for, as you mentioned, the small market we are. I was surprised because usually we'll when we start looking folks up, the easiest one to try and get someone to come on is usually a locked on podcast, and that's the one podcast that doesn't have a pirates guy right now. But there's pirates stuff everywhere, and I was right. like, well, if I can find the right one to talk with, especially given the um, the tough season it's been for both of our teams in a lot of ways. And that actually takes me right into the Pirates themselves. I know we're going to get into the matchup and we're going to get into how they work in these next three years overall. But just some kind of background this year. The Pirates are a team that has recently had some success. And now this year, you know, I've been I've been to PNC this year and I've seen a lot of struggles. Oh. What is going on overall with this team? I don't know. <laughs> Everything. It's uh, Derek. It's crazy. I mean, the team had expectations coming into the season to be competitive, and I'm going to keep it at that. I know, like ownership wanted to put out there that the Pirates were a contender. Uh, we didn't quite believe it. The, the team needed to do a lot more in the offseason to actually be a legit contender. But you know, regardless if you thought they're a playoff contender or not, I don't think there's many people that felt that they were going to be this bad. So you know, I know injuries derailed them pretty early on in the season. Uh, but quite honestly, I mean, it's definitely been a lot more than that. I mean, it, it, it's weird that, I mean, opposed from like Stalin Marte, Josh Bell and Felipe Vasquez, no one's really held up to what they, you know, they, they should have been this year. Um, and, and it's funny, like the other player that's been really good is Brian Reynolds. And he wasn't even like in any expectation to be part of this team this year. So it's like through all these injuries and such, he fell into the lap of the pirates playing and he's kind of really helped them out. But uh, as mentioned, I mean, the pitching struggled mightily. The bats, they started off really cold. They got hot there for a bit. And, and now, I mean, geez, I've, since June, it seems like no one can hit. And, uh, yeah, everything's just falling off the rails. So, actually, that takes me right into my next question, especially with Josh Bell. He's, he was great for much mm. of the year. He's been in a slump. The rest of the offense has gone in a slump. What's the major cause, both with the overall offense and with Josh Bell? See, that's like another thing too. Like, I wish I could tell you what the cause is, but it just seems as if no one's hitting. As mentioned, I mean, the team going like going into the season, you looked at the hitting, and that was going to be a struggle. You know, we had new hitting coaches come in, so there was definitely some hope in that aspect. But we we always felt that it was going to be the pitching that was going to help this team contend. Now, as mentioned. The team got hot, and most of it was Josh Bell. I mean, Bell literally was carrying this team for how long? I mean, he was putting up not not just like MVP numbers. He was putting up historical numbers, you know, for a moment of time there. 
So you knew regression was going to come. It's just it's been hitting way harder than anyone anticipated. And the thing is, too, is I think it hit a lot quicker than people realize just because of how well he was doing uh, at the beginning of the season that it didn't really notice. But, I mean, since the entire month of June, he's been batting in the low 200s. So, you know, I, like you can't even put this on the all-star break. And I love, I love people want to point out like the home run derby and how it breaks batters. I'm not a believer of that one bit. Uh, but, you know, people wanted to put the situation with Josh Bell, the home run derby. And, you know, since that, he hasn't hit a home run yet. I think he hit 20. Well, it's easy. He hit 27. That's a, his total. Mm-hmm. He hit 27 home runs before the break, and he hasn't hit one since. He actually had six extra base hits since the all-star break. But mind you, as I'm mentioning, since June, he's been batting low 200. So, I mean, this has been going on before the break. Uh, but like I said, like he, he really was carrying the team. And with his struggles, it's like the entire team now just is struggling. Just kind of fill me in here a little bit, though. Is it possible that his slump has come from the lack of protection behind him in the lineup that uh, seems to be more aggressive with him? I mean, very well could be. But the thing about Josh Bell, too, is he's always been streaky. He's like his entire career. He goes in very, very cold streaks. His swing changes, you know, like like bat to bat. Mm-hmm. And and then he catches fire, and it almost seems like more or less like he caught fire early on the season, and again historically on fire. So it was really noticeable, and now he's just one of them streaks again where he just can't find himself at the plate. And he seems to be chasing a little more, uh, trying to press maybe. And like you said, I mean, without you know true protection, I mean, I mean, who's hitting behind him? Nobody. <laughs> so you know, no, it, it's really tough for Josh Bell. And as mentioned, you know, without Bell, this this lineup is. Just not built to to succeed. And looking at overall, you mentioned that the pitching's been a problem when it really was supposed to be a strength. And I'm looking at the matchups here. Monday, Mitch Keller. I know nothing about this guy. I can tell you all about Jose Suarez. He's going to be a, a person who'll be up and down in his start. Trevor Williams versus Dylan Peters. I don't see a matchup. Maybe you've maybe you've heard. I don't know who is going for Pittsburgh on Wednesday as of yet. Nothing's listed for us. I'm thinking it's going to be Canning. We don't know yet either. These pitching matchups, well, A, they're ugly, but B, overall, how do you see Pittsburgh pitching the Angels the lamp they have? As best as they can. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. So going back to Mitch Keller, seems like he'll be pitching Monday, starting off the series. Uh, this is the guy who's the number one you know, uh, prospect with the Pirates. He's been touted as a really good pitching prospect. You know, he has high-end type, uh, type stuff. Probably, you know, like going to be a number two, not so much like an ace, but almost kind of fall in the hands of like a Jamison Tyone, right? I mean, it was always like Garrett Cole was going to be the ace of the team, but Tyone could be a solid number two. And that's kind of what Mitch Keller's, you know, been touted to be. And he's had some struggles in AAA. This year, you know, he's been a little bit better, but I'm telling you, Derek, when it comes to this, this Pirates pitching, um, it, it, a lot just baffles me. And I think a lot of it comes down to like the pitching coach, Ray Searge, and the philosophy, but... The thing about Mitch Keller is he's got a really, really nice curveball. And the slider's been pretty effective. He's been incorporating and working on that this year uh, in AAA. But he comes up to the majors. And I know it's small sample size, but he comes up to the majors. And Derek, the guy's now throwing 65% fastballs. Mm. And, and people are just teeing off on him. I, I want to say, you know, they're they're batting four, yeah, 458 against his four-seamer. Guess what? You're not going to succeed if you do that. And uh, that's kind of been like the story of the Pirates this year. I mean, it's no surprise people out there, you know, Angels fans or just MLB fans that they know the stories of Garrett Cole and Charlie Morton, I'm sure. And you see how well they're succeeding and, you know, throwing their off speed such stuff. But, you know, here's a guy who has a great curveball comes up and he's throwing the curveball 9% of the time. 
throwing the four seamer 65% of the time and it's getting teed off. You, you can't succeed in, and especially this day and age in baseball, throwing a four seam fastball 65% of the time. So, mm-hmm. th- like, Mitch Keller's up here to, to stay, it seems. And, and it's going to be interesting on which version of Mitch Keller we're going to see. So, he, he has the stuff to be a good pitcher, just if we see the stuff. It's weird that you're getting into, because you're, you're kind of, how I frame this right. People who listen to this on our end are going to be like, hmm, the sound of this sounds really familiar. On twofold. One, traditionally, and this is going back 30 years, and it doesn't matter who's managed the team, what the philosophies are, the Angels always seem to have problems with guys who are struggling. <laughs> hmm. And I just don't know what it is. They go face somebody like a Mitch Keller who's doing this, and all of a sudden, I mean, they'll make him look so young. And the part two of it is our struggles with pitching. Even before we got all these injuries and everything, one of the main problems we had in our team was guys weren't pitching to their strength at all. We were seeing mm-hmm. some bad games being called throughout the year. It got to the point earlier this season when we had Angels broadcasts on, the announcers were actually calling the pitches that our guys are about to throw. Our Angels announcers were calling the pitches oh their guys are about to throw because it became so obvious what they were going to do, and that's indicative of where that's coming from the coach from management from your pitching coach all the way down how games are being called and it was a total complete train wreck and really it's been a train wreck all year now we're getting into the point where we basically have a bunch of young guys triple a pitchers up now and some of our prospects were because everybody's gone it's just a mess but Mm -hmm. i'm hearing you talk about that it's just the same kind of thing why aren't these guys throwing to their strengths why aren't they sticking to tendencies like 65 percent four seamer when you know this is not your strength same stuff over here man same stuff over here yeah, well, uh, hopefully that stays then, because if your your Achilles heel is you know young prospects coming up and not being able to hit them, our, our uh, or actually weak pitch, our thing is has been that exactly in the sense of like seeing a guy for the first time. I can't tell you how many times some unnamed pitcher from the Cardinals or the Reds comes up, you know, makes like a spot start, and you know it's against the Pirates, and for some reason we make him look like a Cy Young winner, you know, and then he finishes the season with like a six or seven ERA, but you know when he faces us, it's a shutout. So uh, I hear you on that. Another place I'm seeing similarities, and I've seen it all year being local to you, but also just monitoring some social media in the last day or so as I'm getting ready for our conversation. I'm seeing lots of Pirates fans taking shots at the front office in terms of how they're developing players. And, I mean, that's what we've been seeing all year. You can go on Angels Twitter, and they've been hammering Billy Upler, Billy Upler, Billy Upler, for the way we have seen this roster built. But what's really going on within the Pirates organization? Because it's, it's usually a much deeper story, especially in baseball where you have an organization built from the top going down. What's up with the Pirates organization in terms of player development, and where are they going right now? Uh, I'll tell you what. This is the first time I feel that, you know, as far as like Pirates fans, community, Twitter per se, um, th- there's been a lot of – it's almost like politics left and right. You know, you have like the fan – the fan apologist, the front office apologist per se, you know, and the people that get on them and hate them and they're always battling. And I feel like this is the first time in a long time that everyone's kind of coming together and that's not good. (laughs) You know, it's like when all the fans are coming together and saying that there's a problem, then that probably tells me there's a problem and you hit it on the head. Uh, I guess a couple years back, it more or less was like, you know, Neil Huntington and them can't draft. And it kind of brought up the question to me too, because we all know the draft is a crapshoot. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can go down the Yankees. Who have the Yankees drafted in the past decade? You know, in the first round. You know, nobody is is pan out except for uh, a Judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at the, at the very end as, as a, a draft pick. 
So it's like it's a crapshoot to begin with, but it comes down to me is like, is it really drafting that's a problem? Or has it been player development? And it's hard to really gauge that. Until you have some guys leave your system, go to another system, a la Garrett Cole, Charlie Morin, Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows. Short sample size for the guys the uh, last two just mentioned. But you know, regardless, you're seeing people leave this organization now, going to other organizations and just flourishing. So to me, it seems as if, you know what, we're probably drafting the right guys. We just don't know how to develop and utilize them. And, you know, again, like now all the fan base is seeing this, you know, it's very evident at this point in time that, you know, even though the most apologetic fans, <laughs> they really have nothing to say at this point in time, you know, and seeing the team, Derek, for your angels listeners, the pirates have won four out of the last 27 games. So <laughs> you're probably going to lock up this series. But you know, again, like with that said, like this fan base is just, Oh man, they are really turning on this on this uh, front office. It's again, again when I was doing the research, seeing lots of, lots of the the same clashing. I'm I guess if people were to talk about our podcast and our guys here, I think we would be regarded more as an apologist for for Billy Epler in terms of our system right now. He hasn't been too hot in terms of free agents. Made some decent signings, found some gems. You know, going out like Hansel Robles and Tyler Buttry, and but. Striking out on Cahill, which I don't blame them for, by the way. Cahill's always been steady until this year. But then striking out on Matt Harvey, striking mm. out on Cody Allen, striking out on Jonathan LaCroix. It's been a really bad year for these short-term contracts. And a lot of our guys have, have our people have lost faith in the Angels. But then we look at the farm system. And Epler started in late 2015. He's had 2016, 2017, 2018, now the 2019 draft. And they look at our system and say, okay, well, as of right now, it's ranked 22nd in the league. Why haven't we developed enough stars yet? Why, don't, why isn't this team turned around? Why have they not had a winning season under Billy Epler yet? And my argument is because you started a rebuild with a competitive team, but with an empty farm system, and you have to work your way up. You're not seeing those guys move through all the way yet. And that's why I'm so hesitant to hammer Epler. What is the situation on your side in terms of guys coming up and filling some of the holes because you've had to move some stars. You've had to move basically because I mean, for those who are listening in the Angel side, Pittsburgh's a small market. You're you're going to have a hard time keeping your stars. You can only pay so much money to folks out there. What is the future look like for you right now? Well, that's a great question because the future, I guess, it really depends on what this first front office wants to do. And you know, with this trade deadline passing, you know, and Vasca is still on team with by quotes that. The front office has said we view Vasquez as our closer for our next playoff game. So I mean, I mean, here's the thing. You know, that's GM talk. You're, you're not really going to say, yeah, we stink, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're probably not making the playoffs anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like that's not what fans want to hear. Even though, uh, you know, that might be the case. But you know, the 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 trade deadline comes and goes. Uh, Vasquez is still on the team. Marte's still on the team. You know, basically the same core right now is on this team. So. If you're looking that you want to compete next year, right? You're not going for a rebuild. We're not adding much to the farm now in that sense. You know, Vasquez is that biggest chip that's that can really revitalize, you know, your farm system. Now, fast forward a year ago, the Pirates traded for Chris Archer. They gave up Tyler Glass now. They gave up Austin Meadows. Now, Meadows uh, technically at the time graduated from the prospect list, but he was a top 100. So was Tyler Glass now. Actually, both of them were inside the top uh, 20 at one point in time. And then they traded uh, Shane Boz, who was the first-round draft pick the, the year before. So, you, you know, you're talking about the farm. Well, we kind of depleted a lot of the farm 
you know, with Chris Archer, who is sporting about a five and a half ERA right now, uh, and is going to be the the pitcher that caps the series. By the way, okay. um, he'll be pitching on uh, Wednesday. So you know, the farm kind of goes. You know, I, I, it's almost like the Angels situation. You know, the farm's kind of bleak. There, there's some people there, but it's not deep at all. You know, the, the the teams, well, at least the Angels are at least about average. The Pirates are about below average right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you talk about the future, it, it's kind of bleak. You know, and, and I, I feel like this team has an identity crisis. Are, are they going to be competitive? And if they are, then they need to invest in the, in the club to be competitive. And if they're not, then they need to go ahead and trade off some people. That way they can build up the farm and, you know, retool and reload for maybe 2021, 22. And this is where the branch off is. Pittsburgh being a smaller market than where the Angels are, and we have Mike Trout there, there was no way that the Angels were ever going to say, you know what, we're going to do a full rebuild. We have to do it piecemeal. We have to maintain, be competitive, and that's what they've tried to do. They've tried to be competitive. They've tried to rebuild, but you're going to, if you can't trade people away like Mike Trout because you, you just be an idiot to do so, then you are bound to just slowly kind of do it. For the Angels, they entered the season between 12 and 15, depending on where the different experts had us marked. And then we had a bunch of injuries, a bunch of problems with, with bad signings. And we had a bunch of folks, therefore, graduate this year. So our system is actually a bit deeper right now than it even shows. Well, actually, a lot deeper. Our problem is twofold, in my view, is that is we lack, right now, because Chris Rodriguez is hurt, a true blue potential starting pitcher as a number one coming through the system. Right. And we overall lack quality pitching coming through the system. That's why they drafted like 28 pitchers this year. <laughs> 28 freaking <laughs> pitchers. But it sounds like for the Pirates, it's actually more bleak that while we're building depth over here, and this has been my argument to Epler naysayers, it's taking time because you have to build the the, the organizational depth to have the pieces to move. It sounds like you guys have already cleared out your depth. You have to make the call. Either we're going to spend money, which has not been what we do in the past, or we need to go ahead and just start over. Basically, yeah, like that's that's the parallel here. You know, whereas both organizations might be about the same in terms, you know, the farm and major league talent and such, the Angels aren't a small market team. And that's what, you know, I've always been a, a big say on, like when it comes to small market, large market, like payroll, essentially. What mm-hmm. payroll really does is it allows you to make mistakes, you know, because we also, you know, I mean, let's look, you got, you know, you're an Angels podcast. Let's look at the Dodgers right now. You know, most of the core stars in the Dodgers actually aren't expensive. You know, they, they've been building within mm-hmm. and most of the stars are homegrown. They aren't expensive, you know, players. Now, of course, they have a big payroll, but it's like when you look at a lot of these payrolls, especially now, you know, like the, analytically, the large market teams are doing what the small market teams were doing, you know, and they're not spending the money on these contracts. So, like, like it's it allows you to make mistakes. And fortunately, with the Angels, they have a larger you know payroll, so they they can go ahead and make some of these mistakes, and it doesn't really hurt them. I mean, imagine, as I, I've said too, like you guys are the ones with pools, right? Imagine had the Marlins won the sweepstakes because mm-hmm. it's kind of down to the Marlins, Angels, and Cardinals. If the Marlins had Albert Pujols right now, thirty million a year, do they even have a franchise? <laughs> like that's a very valid question, you know. Sure. So you know, with the Angels having them, well, it eats thirty million dollars. But okay, that's a large mistake, and it doesn't really hurt you guys. But you can you can recover. Well, you it has Mike hurt Shots, the team helps. a bit. <laughs> it has a team hurt a bit in terms of 
him unbeing able to live up to you know, the expectations of a contract like that. And it has handcuffed the Angels a bit in terms of where they're going to spend money. Because while they have the money in that market, they made the commitment to rebuild, so they weren't going to go spend much more. They've been acting right. in a lot of ways like a mid-market team and kind of waiting for some of these bad contracts to whittle themselves out. And they, you know, they made the call. I think. I mean, this is what we saw in the office. They went after some of the big dogs and pitching. They didn't get them, and now they're going to go after like half the league. Will they're going to go after Garrett Cole? And who knows if they'll get him? I'm guessing probably not. But they're going to go after him, and we'll see. So the salaries for the Angels, yeah, they they can make mistakes here and there, but the Pujols contract has been a bit of an anchor to a degree. The Pirates, I know, man, they can't do that. They cannot. That you have to get it right the first time around. That's what's sad about the the economics mm-hmm. of baseball. That you can't, as a small market club, botch it up. There's no mistakes. Right. That, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it's risk management, and that, and that's like part of the the issue with the Pirates too. Is they really run this as a business, and I, I'm not going to hate the owner for doing that. I mean, it's his money. He's a businessman. You know, I, I get it, but they're very, very risk adverse. You know, and, and they don't really take those chances. So, with that said, you go into this year with a seventy-two million dollar payroll, and you wonder why the team isn't there. You know, that's what really frustrated me. I, we talked about you know there's there was smoke coming about about Chris Archer, which there is every year for the Pirates, it seems, at the trade deadline. You know, and, and we really were on record last year before it happened that we didn't want to see this happen because, for one. This team isn't really that good. You know, like when you make a deal at the mm-hmm. trade deadline for a Chris Archer, it's usually because that's your one piece that you need. And this club was a lot more than a piece away from contending. But number two, the price of what Chris Archer would cost doesn't really make sense for the Pirates. And they go and make that deal. And like I said, he- here we are. But the thing that spoke to me when that deal happened was, okay, well, if you're going to do it, then that tells me that you're creating this window that, you know, baseball teams will have, especially small market teams, you're creating this window and you're going to go for it. And again, as mentioned, they went in this off season and who do they sign? You know, nobody, <laughs> they, they got themselves Lonnie Chisenhall who hasn't played a day uh, for you angels fans listening. Yes. Lonnie Chisenhall is a pirate uh, and he is also a major league player in 2019. If you didn't know. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I mean, it's just like this, this, Ah, this club is frustrating right now. It sounds to me like on your end over there, it's time to clean house. So that's what it sounds like. It, that it's probably time to get somebody new there to reevaluate the system, to reevaluate the whole franchise and, and set it somewhere. I'm looking at the Angels, and it's very, again, I'm finding lots of parallels here. I'm hoping that some of the folks who have been, been kind of naysaying what the Angels are doing are listening. We had the option this year, and Epler did do some hunting for a starting pitcher. And my argument was, don't do it. Don't do it because you're not there yet. If we cannot compete for the playoffs this year, then there's just no point in jeopardizing the increased depth of the organization for one piece when you can go out this offseason and just pay cash for that and keep your prospects. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, based on what you're talking about, that's the right decision. It sucks because you want to see a trade and you want to make a move that in the immediate you think will make your team better. But it sounds like the Pirates did do that and it wound up being the wrong decision. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, as, as I've joked, uh, and Ryan, my co-host on here is too, it's like this this trade, like you mentioned, you felt would make your team better, kind of set the team back about two years. Or more, if you think about it. I mean, you, you lost, you've, you've lost Meadows now. 
you've lost, you mentioned like three or four names, right? Yeah, Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and, and Shane Boz, who uh, I believe is about the number 60-so prospect in baseball. So let me, let me take this over. I, I'm sorry we ran a little bit longer than what we had planned. Clint Hurdle, okay, he's been under fire now, both locally and nationally all season. Neil Huntington now is getting himself under fire. Our Well, first part of that is, what's the deal with Hurdle? Like, both locally and nationally, how was he being viewed? Because there's been lots of majorly complaints about his tactics, the behavior of his players in those situations. And then, what's the deal with Huntington? What's, what do you think is going to happen? Well, let's start off with Hurdle. So, I think it's funny, you know, nationally, as you mentioned, the Pirates and, like, they're getting this bad rep and such. Of course, it's because of the Cincinnati Reds and uh, Pirates series they've had this year but it's kind of historical i mean this goes back and you know i don't expect you guys to know but uh the pirates are viewed almost as uh, i don't know how to word this a soft but i guess i'll put it that way you know back in the kutch days i mean the reds threw at kutch i can't tell how many times i mean chapman threw right at his head and the pirates were always you know looked under the scope as they, they never retaliated it was like they're you know being the uh they're being soft and uh, so, so, I mean, this bad blood has, has gone way, way back, you know, and they're actually same instance happened with the Diamondbacks as well. The Pirates really did nothing for or, you know, with, um, but the Pirates have been notorious of throwing inside, you know, back in 2013, 14, 15, you know, when they were really good. I mean, that was something they always did. They always threw inside. Now, here's the difference. Back in 2013, 14, 15, the Pirates pitchers were good. You know, now they're not Ooh. so much. So when they're still having the same philosophy and throwing inside, you're probably going to hit a few guys. Now, on top of that, you got Derek Dietrich out there pimping home runs, which I'm for. You know, I, if you hit a home run on me, you know, kudos to you. What can I say? If I have a problem with it, I should strike you out. Uh, but he's out there pimping home runs, and the Pirates aren't liking it, so now they're throwing it at him, and it's going back and forth. So I know they're getting like a bad rep of like this dirty team. I, they really aren't. I, I really don't see it. I mean, they're doing what basically any, every other team does out there, which I hate all of it. You know, throwing sure. at guys because you know celebrating a home run or such. I think it's stupid and childish. You know, you're really putting people's lives in danger in doing so. But uh, you know, regardless, I think that is a little overblown. Now, Clint Hurdle as an actual manager and such, to me, I've always felt in game like the really good in game managers. There's there's maybe like four or five in the league that are that good. And like all the 25 other teams, you know, their fan bases, everyone hates that manager because of the bonehead decisions. You know, I truly feel that there's a very small amount that make great in-game decisions. You know, T- Terry Francona outmanaged the hell out of Joe Madden, in, you know, in the Cubs-Indians series. Joe Madden just in spite won. But, uh, you know, I, I don't view Neil. I don't view Hurdle as a great in-game manager. But what he does behind the scenes with the club has been very, very valuable. I mean, he's definitely a clubhouse guy, but I just see him losing that even this year. And it's like, if you're not a great in-game manager and you're starting to lose a clubhouse, I don't know what you're here for. So, you know, I I don't know. Like, Clint and Neil Huntington, the GM, are kind of tied to the hip. They both signed extensions. They're both signed for two more seasons after this year. The pitching coach, Ray Searage, his contract's up this year. I I just look at it as, like, he's probably gone. That's the first... An easy wipe out of the front office, per se, um, coaching. Hurdle, I, I, I can't tell you. Uh, again, of a club that's cost conscious, are you going to eat two years of salary for this guy? You know, again, like Neil Huntington is a GM. Are you going to eat him? You know, him? I, I feel if anything happens, Clint's on the hot seat and he could possibly go. And I look at that as if that's going to be the GM, Neil Huntington, scapegoat. 
And that's how he's going to more or less save his job that, you know, here's the problem, you know, hurdle race here. Like these are the issues. Let them go. I can fix this. So I don't know if necessarily the, the GM is going to be, you know, canned after this year, but I definitely see the pitching coach and very, very good potential that Clinton hurdle is. But as a skeptic here, as, as a bit of a skeptic, Anthony, I would think, Hold on a minute. I don't see how fans would even be on board with that. In other words, the scapegoat, because any educated fan, and I know, I know quite a few Pittsburgh fans, quite a few Pirates fans, and these—they're not dummies. They're not stupid. They've been through a lot of losing over the years. They know what doesn't work. And to me, it would seem that it's time. It's you—you t- you didn't just put a bad team out there. You've gutted your farm system. You're not getting good development from the guys that are coming up. You're seeing these guys go somewhere else to develop and become solid players in this league and more. It's probably time for a complete and total reevaluation of this organization. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, I don't disagree. I don't. And it's funny how you said that about you know the fans not being dummies uh, because Ray Searage, the uh, pitching coach, basically yesterday called out the fan base and said that they are a bunch of dummies uh so <laughs> it's very ironic that you just said that right now but um l- listen i'm with you i would much rather right now today have them fired find yourself a very analytical a creative gm and get going again but i don't see it i, I see that neil's probably going to stay and Sierra is gone clinton hurdle probably is gone but he could stay also with this organization, that's the thing. With this organization, I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Just one more thought on that. And yeah, I'm sure that there are folks who are upset. I think it's also fair to say that these guys did take this team back to the playoffs. Sure. They deserve credit for getting there. And sometimes it's just a question of, hey, your method gets stale. It's time to go. It's time to bring somebody else in. That's common in sports. I, I don't want anybody to think that, hey, we are you were trashing these guys. It's just that sometimes it's, it's time. It took Mike social 20 years, but it was time. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was time and he was a great manager. One of the best I've ever seen, but you know, it was time. This one last question here. And again, I, I, I apologize. I've kept you longer than I promise. And I thank you for staying on with us. How do these two teams match up overall in your view? How do you see this series playing out? One team has Mike Trout and Shoei Otani and one team does not. <laughs> I, I think it's honestly as simple as that. Uh, I mean, that's one thing that this this club is starred for, and why you know I really didn't suspect this team to be that good. There is no stars, and, and as I mentioned earlier on the on the podcast, um, the guys that we have have pretty much all underachieved in that sense. So you know, the matchups is Mitch Keller, Trevor Williams, and Chris Archer. That's a guy with a 10 ERA, a 5 ERA, and a 5.5 ERA. Now, they're all better than that, but that's what they're performing this year. And, you know, Trevor Williams is, is struggling mightily right now, coming back from his injury. Uh, I mean, you're catching him at his worst. Mitch Keller's coming up now to stay in the rotation, throwing nothing but fastballs, and now he gets to face that, you know, Angels lineup with, again, Mike Trout and Joey Otani. Uh, and, and the thing about Chris Archer is. So, so here's been the issue with the Pirates and, you know, why Ray Sears has been caught out by the fans who are also dumb, by the way. Um, <laughs> Chris Archer comes over and as, as you guys might know or not, you know, the one thing the Pirates were good on the 13 to 15, you know, successes, you know, they're really good on pitching the contact, you know, 
the the shifts and such. That way they get the easy outs. They weren't like strikeout pitchers per se. And it almost seems that that's still carrying over. Like as you mentioned, every regime has its time. Well, it seems that they're still stuck in their old ways. And Chris Archer comes over and they're like, hey, why don't you throw a sinker ball? Well, his sinker ball has been his worst pitch almost like in baseball for the, for the most part. I mean, guys are batting like 400 off of it, slugging I think like 600, 700 off his pitch, and it's been terrible. Now he's he's tossed the sinker. His past two starts have been really successful. So I'm hoping that can transition and carry on over. But, I mean, how these teams match up, I, again, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not confident in any team right now. I mean, I, I feel this team would go and play the Marlins at home and I'm looking at the Marlins right now, even at their pitching, and saying, well, it's, it's better than ours. You know, and the offense is better than ours. The, it's like really the only thing that we have is a really, really good closer. But, Derek, you got to be winning in order to use them. So uh, I, I just, again, 4-23 and 23 in the last 27 games. How do they match up? Uh, I, I couldn't see a reason that you guys can't take two out of three right now against these Pirates. Yeah. In fairness, the Angels just killed an eight-game losing streak yesterday they had lost series to detroit and baltimore before head and knees got swept by cleveland so this i mean honestly oh, oh well, that's rough <laughs> it's been a rough stretch here for a team that uh, the bats are there they're there but they weren't they haven't been hitting of late they finally kind of broke a bit out yesterday and today they're up three to one as we're recording now and by the time you folks listen this will be game will be over the Pitching, though, for the Angels will also make anybody healthy, as we saw with Baltimore and with Detroit. So, who knows? I mean, this could be, you're saying that, and I'm starting to thinking, man, I've heard this before when I talked to the Tigers <laughs> guys and the Baltimore guys. You know, and every time it's been a, a mess. So, you might just catch the Angels at the wrong place, wrong time. Or, we're all, case, the we're right all place, conspiring against you. I talked to I know, those right? Baltimore and Detroit guys, too. Where I'm just <laughs> keeping it up, you know, to ensure that the Pirates over here have some, some success. That's all. All right. So, Thanks again for taking the time with us. We got into a lot, and we didn't even get into the history part. So maybe this offseason we can we can reconnect and talk just some baseball. Can you tell folks where they can find you, your show, everything having to do with what you cover? Sure, of course. So uh, you can catch us on Twitter. Everyone seems to be on Twitter these days. So just it's simple, North Shore 9. It's all spelled out in words. Uh, we're on, of course, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, whichever. Uh, our podcast is the same, North Shore 9. And you can pretty much find us wherever, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, check us out. If you're a Pirates fan and want to hear anything about the Pirates, I'm not sure why, but if you do, <laughs> you can definitely check us out. Well, it's baseball, too. The good baseball fans out there are going to want to hear more about everybody else across the league, and okay. especially when you have a different kind of market, for that matter. And it is a different market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you guys, uh, you know, again, if you guys do lock up Garrett Cole, we could talk about Garrett Cole uh, maybe this offseason. We'll see. There's a lot of fingers crossed, but he's going to have a lot of competition. We'll, we'll find yeah. out. He's gonna, <laughs> the Yankees, you know, will be in there, and the Angels are going to have to pitch him on coming home and then outspend the Yankees. That's going to be, we'll see. There you and go. And Houston, too. I mean, I don't think, I think Houston went and made their trade for a 36-year-old pitcher who's got a massive pay salary, so I don't see how the Astros will try and be able to keep him. I don't see it, but stranger things have happened. Yep, yep. All right, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you so much just for taking me extra time, the, I think, double time than what I promised. So, appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, Derek. I appreciate you inviting us. So, right, have a good one. You too. All right, and we're over to our guest first, Milad. Go ahead and make 
your prediction. How does this series go? Three games. Three games. Uh, you know, Angels, they ended the Boston series on a good note. That's two in a row. So if they win the next game, that'll be a winning streak. Yeah, I like to see them get a 2-1. You know, 2-1 series win coming back home. All right, Nick, how you got it? I want to say the Angels are going to win two out of three. But I could also see them losing two out of three. I'm going to say they're going to win two out of three. All right, well, that was very wishy-washy. <laughs> You don't want to make the call? I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. I, I, well, I am a fan, and I do love the Angels. And, and I've been saying this for a while. To be honest with you, I if they lost more games than they won, I wouldn't be really mad or sad. So, But I do I do think the Angels should win two out of three. Will they? We don't know because pitching is the issue with the exactly. Angels. So that's why it's hard to say we're going to win two out of three. If you would have asked me a day ago, I would have said Angels win this series 2 out of 3. Now I'm not so sure because the way the Pirates finally woke up. Josh Bell finally woke up today and uh, had a great game. Reynolds had a great game out there. They still lose the series in, in against the Cardinals, but finally that offense is waking up. So I'm still going to go 2 out of 3, but I'm a nervous 2 out of 3 because last time we had a team that's struggling on, that was Detroit. Yeah, we saw how that series went. And then before that, Baltimore. So I'm going to cautiously say Angels take two out of three in the series. All right, folks. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. Search for our page also on Facebook, which is the Talking Halos group. Before I even move further, though, I do want to give Milad a chance to let people know where people can find him. Milad, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter on uh, One Man Show 67. Um, if you if you see the people uh, having conversations with talking halos on Twitter, I'm the I'm the guy hugging the tree on the on my Twitter profile. Yeah, but yeah, once again, that's one man show sixty seven. So quite frankly, you're literally a tree hugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> All right, you can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Nick Kearns nowhere on Twitter because he's kind of a hermit. But you can find him on Facebook. Also, don't forget us on Spreaker, Apple Music, all those other places. And one more thing. I haven't mentioned it in a while. One more thing. If you are a U.S. military veteran, you always have a home on this show to at least stop in and say hello and talk some Angels baseball with us. If you are a veteran who wants to come on the show, talk some baseball with us, get a hold of us on Twitter or on Facebook, and we'll make it happen. Thank you for serving. We really appreciate everything you've done to give of your life for this country. Okay, with all that said, for Nick, for Milad, and for myself and the entire staff here at Talking Halos, we want to say take it easy, have a great night, and we're out of here. Good night, Angel fans. Good night, Angel fans. Thank you for having me on. can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.